Well, good morning. My name is Ed Hires, one of the pastors here at Shiloh. And today, we're going to be talking about something very critical. And that is we're going to be talking about basketball. <laughs> See, growing up, I grew up in Langston, New Jersey. I was a Catholic, went to a parish. That's what you do when you're a Catholic. I went to Our Lady Star of the Sea Parish, and I played bitty basketballs where I started there, and we would play the other parishes in the area, and then went on to uh, play in grammar school, and actually went on to play in high school for a couple of years there. And so basketball was a big part of my growing up. When I played in high school, I played on the same team not nearly as well, as a man by the name of, or at that point, a, a teenager by the name of Chris Ford. How many people recognize the name Chris Ford? Okay. Let me introduce you to him. Okay, Chris Ford played for Holy Spirit High School, took us to the state championship, played for Villanova, took them to a national championship, played for the Celtics at one point for, I think, four seasons, and ultimately coached the Celtics for five seasons. And what was he known for? Factoid, John, do you know what he was known for? Who said that? Yes, first ever three. Come on, Mark, you get something from the prize table. Oh, there isn't a prize table. Sorry. All right, so he was credited for that. And and then my son followed in in basketball. He played up through high school, and he now plays uh, recreationally on league, still in his old age of 40-something. And... uh, So I want to use today, I want to use basketball to represent some spiritual principles that I think line up. And you may say, Ed, you're using something like basketball for spiritual principles? Well, if you're going to complain, complain to Jesus. Because he used, what, very natural examples that people could understand to help them visualize the kingdom of God. So I'm on safe ground here. Now... You probably don't know this, but I am a season ticket holder for the Boston Celtics. So one thing you get, if you're a season ticket holder, you get all kinds of little prizes. So this is a piece of the parquet, of the original parquet, before they tore it down and built the new stadium. And, of course, I have different paraphernalia that I have that I've collected over the years. And this is Paul Pierce's jersey. Come on. There we go. The truth. You're right. I buy expensive hats. And because I've been a season ticket holder for 25 years, I get an autographed basketball. Now, you see Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. No, they're not on here. Brad Stevens, that's all you get. Because if Jason Tatum signed it, this would be worth a fortune. All right, so I was going to demonstrate basketball to you up here, but I can't because it's a rug. All right, so I'll just kind of do it the way I would have done it. All right, we're done now. So to illustrate what I'm going to be talking to you about today, I thought a picture is worth 1,000 words, right? So a video is worth 10,000 words. So we're going to play a video so you can see some of the things we're going to be talking about today. He's coming, so he tries to get it off quick, and he takes a tough shot. Plus one for Tatum. Williams will inbound. Here's Smart. Tatum on the cut, takes it all the way and slams it. He wanted a foul. 
foul. He ties the game at 107. A power move by Jason Tatum. Him, they set the screen for Lavert. Now Mitchell guarded by Brown. Four seconds left. Mitchell spinning with two. Step back three. Blocked by Tatum. And we go to overtime. Jason Tatum on both ends of the floor. What a star. The game-tying dunk, the game-saving rejection, and we go to OT. All right, now, what does that have to do? First of all, we're going to use a number of things you just saw there, but I also wanted to show you what is considered today probably the best basketball player in all of the NBA, National Basketball Association, the best. We live here. He's an hour away. Do you realize what it's like to have probably the number one player in the, in the league, maybe you could care less, but it's good for us that are season ticket holders, I'll tell you that much. And by the way, if Jason Tatum took his shirt off, I hope he never does in front of my wife, and <laughs> that would be kind of hard to live up to, but when he turns around, you would see on his back a big, it's literally this big, God's will, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So he is a, an outspoken Christian, and, uh, you know, it's always that, well, is he really? I really believe he is. And uh, he's 21 years old. 21. And he has fame like nobody else, and he seems to handle it so well. So, brings us to the title of our message today. It's all about points. So, we're going to be talking about different aspects of the game of basketball, applying them to, <clears throat> to how they would be involved in spiritual principles. Now, for those of you who don't watch a lot of sports, for those of you who don't know anything about sports, for those of you that actually hate sports, all right, I am going to be explaining this as we go along so you will be able to follow. Don't tune out. So things we're going to be looking at in the game of basketball, assists, fouls, steals and block shots, timeouts, and then the most important aspect of all, which you have to stay to find out what that is. So, by the way, welcome to all of you out there. Uh, appreciate all of you tuning in. And uh, a shout-out to John and Donnell from Rangeley watching us and my sister Pat, who is probably watching, will correct any of my specific history comments. Um, first, basketball. These are a few things before we get into the heart of the message. Basketball is a team sport. See, no single person can win a basketball game. And we can never be all God called us to be if we don't realize that your life and my life, both a natural life and our spiritual life, is played best when it's played with others. It is meant to be a team endeavor. The best teams actually function as one. When you see a really highly, finely tuned team, everybody does something different, but it's like they're just one. And we see this example in Romans, where Paul tells us just how close we are as the body of Christ. Sometimes we don't realize it. Sometimes we don't act like it. But Romans 12, 4, and 5 says this, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. See, being a Christian always has been, always will be a team sport. Second, for the purposes of this message, we will look at the opposing team, 
okay, because there's always an opposing team in a basketball game, as the enemy. They're led by Satan and his demons. That's who we're playing. Third, when I use the word game, please don't look at it as some insignificant, you know, just a fun thing. How can you compare that, Ed? Use that word for spiritual things. Think of it as your spiritual journey. All right. We begin with this concept of assist. Now, we have a picture we can show you on this. And assists are when, some, when a player gets the ball to another player so that they can make a basket and score two points. That's all it is. It's when they pass a ball to another player and they're able to put it in. That's called an assist. They get credit for that. Now, in our spiritualized, how does that play out? Well, one of the things is when we recognize the gifts and the callings that others have on their life, when we love them enough to allow them to get the shine, to, to get the success rather than us. In those moments, we are giving a spiritual assist. When we know someone is better equipped to actually handle something, that we're willing to step back and let them be the ones to handle it and maybe get the glory. See, we're willing, when we're willing to love others enough to give credit to them rather than taking that credit ourselves. And like any good basketball player, Every time a basketball player runs down a court on offense, they are looking for the ability to create an assist. Yes, they like to score individually, but their purpose is points. And that means however it has to happen, it will happen. In my life, my two assist people were Jack Hartman and Bob Ford. Uh, Jack Hartman was my business partner, my spiritual father, my spiritual mentor. Bob Ford was my first pastor. Both of these men would do anything they could to make me shine, to let me shine. Both of them supremely uh, humble and and wanted to see me become all that God had me to become and were willing to step back to allow that to happen. Without them, without God using them, you wouldn't see me standing here today as I am. So what does the Bible say about this whole issue of assists? Philippians 2.4 says, Instead of each person watching out for their own good, Watch out for what is better for others. Hebrews 6.10, God isn't unjust so that he forgets your efforts and the love you have shown for his name's sake when you served and continue to serve God's holy people. We live in in a world where spiritual assists are critical. People need encouragement. They need to be identified for the gifts and callings they have because the enemy is constantly trying to take away that ball from them and make them feel shamed or worthless. Next, we go to fouls. Now, fouls in a game are when a player does something wrong, usually, to another player, okay? And and for our purposes today, we're going to compare fouls to sins, all right? That's what we're going to think of them as. So, Fouls and sins result in penalties. And when they do, this next picture will show you what happens. What happens is that the other team gets to throw two balls in the basket, and you can't block them or do anything else, okay? So they're called free throws. It's amazing how many of them miss them, but they have the ability to score two points. These can be very critical, especially at the end of a game. So fouls are that. Now, let me ask this question. Are you like NBA players? Uh, can we see the next picture? Okay, this is what most MPA players do. 
okay, they get to argue with the ref because they will always tell you they didn't commit a foul. That's what they always say. They both, both the fouled and the fowler, try to argue with the ref that it wasn't their fault. It was the other person's fault. It's amazing today. I don't think there's a foul where people don't complain. That wasn't always the case, but today they are. You know, neither wants to take responsibility for what happened. They want to deny it. They want to blame the other player. Or maybe, maybe they just think that they shouldn't be called because they're superstars. We have that, by the way, in the league. Uh, They feel like, hey, you shouldn't call that kind of a foul on me. I'm a superstar. Um, So, do any of those reactions sound at all similar to you when we mess up? Do we ever try to argue with God? Do we ever try to blame someone else? Do we ever just deny it straight up? Fact of the matter is, fouls are going to occur. You're going to mess up. There's no question about that. And when you do, we're so blessed to have an advocate. That's what the Bible says. Jesus intercedes for us. But let me tell you this, that sin, like fouls, can and many times does have consequences. Yes, we can confess. Yes, we we can ask God's forgiveness. But understand something. Sometimes we don't want any consequences. Well, God, I said I'm sorry. You know, did you ever have kids? They do something really bad and they say they're sorry and they don't know why they have to be punished. But if you don't punish them at that point, they'll learn the wrong lesson that, that there isn't a consequence to doing something wrong. So this is an important aspect, these fouls. You know, 1 Peter 4, 8 says this, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love, what, covers a multitude of sins. More than anything else, as we go through this life, as we are fouled or as we foul others, we have to deal with that. We have to know that consequences come, not just for you if you've sinned, but for someone else that sins against you. And, and here's, here's my takeaway that I would give you on this whole issue of sin in our lives and the lives of others. When we sin against someone, we must repent. And when they sin against us, we must forgive. A lot of times in the, in the body of Jesus Christ, sins alienate us, not just from, from close members, but from the body of Christ. Sometimes we don't deal well with others that have sinned, and especially when they sin against us. And we get this chance to, to repent when we do wrong. And we have this chance to forgive when they do wrong. Fouls are going to happen. They happen in every game. Every player that's ever played basketball will foul or be fouled. The question is, how do you handle that? Do you fight with the ref? Do you deny it? Or do you open your heart up, ask for forgiveness, and do you have the heart to give forgiveness? All right, next, let's move to steals and blocked shots, okay? So here's a picture of a, of a blocked shot that you can take a look at. So that's, um, you know, there's an old saying, the best offense is a good defense. That's right. So a good Defense helps to keep the opponents from scoring, keeps their score down, giving us a better chance, if you're on that team that's doing the blocking, a better chance of winning. And in the spiritual realm, things like prayer and fasting, memorizing scriptures, helping someone overcome a sinful situation in their lives, these are all great defensive actions. These really help God's team win. But guess what? While you're looking to steal the ball, while you're looking to block shots, 
guess what? The other team is also doing the same thing. They want to mess you up. They want to steal the ball from you. They want to make you feel less than you are. They want to steal as much as they can. Now, here's what John 10.10 says. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy that I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly or to the full, or the versions say. So the enemy... We want to play defense against him in some of the ways I mentioned, but we also have to realize he wants to play defense against us. He is, the Bible says, the accuser of the brethren. And those words sometimes that you hear laying in bed at night, those words that come to you in the day that bring you down, those are how he plays defense. He knows if you're saved, you're going to heaven, but he wants to rob you of whatever he can while you're here on earth. But we have these promises in the word of God. 1 John 4, 4, little children... You are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. James 4, 7. So humble yourself before God, resist the devil, my, ver- my version, play defense, and he will flee from you. See, don't ever let the devil convince you you're too far gone. That's where Dave was. That's what he was trying to do. Don't ever let the devil tell you you can't keep going. Don't ever let the devil tell you that you're not someone God loves and cherishes because actions don't change God's love for you. But we have this ability to know that greater is he that's in us. It's very important that we play defense, but that we also know that he, our enemy, is going to do that too. Next, timeouts, okay? Timeouts are critical. Sometimes when the game is at a critical point, and the team is losing ground, the coach will call a timeout. They do that for a number of reasons. One, maybe they need to be rested. They're playing, it's hard, they're sweating, they're tired. Maybe he's got a new play to give them, something that he's seen that he wants to be able to do that uh, with them. Uh, Maybe the other team's doing too well, and he wants to break their momentum. There's a lot of reasons. But here's what's very important. You and I both need timeouts. Okay, we need rest, especially in the United States of America. It's amazing how everyone is so busy. We need rest. There's an old saying, come apart before you come apart. All right? We need quiet time with the coach. Quiet time with our coach is the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. He's a teacher. He's a comforter. And we need time. We need time to get a break away from the demands of life. That's one of the biggest, biggest ways the enemy gets us. The Bible, or the Bible, there's an old saying, fatigue makes cowards of us all. All right, you can't handle life when you're exhausted anywhere near like you can when you're rested. Jesus had a reason why he went into the mountains and he prayed for long periods of time. He needed a reach, he needed Jesus to be with his father, to spend time to hear from his father. How could we not have that very same thing? So rest needed in the body of Christ, needed in this game of life that we live. Matthew eleven twenty eight twenty nine 29 says, And Jesus said, Come to me, all of you that are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls.
All right. Assists, fouls, steals and block shots, timeouts. One left. This is the one I had the question marks next to. And this is an interesting one. Well, I, I never like to do this, but I have to right now. My mouth got dry. All right, so this last aspect takes us back to the title. It's all about points. See, we've discussed a lot of things about the game of basketball, the important things. And they're all very important. But while defense, defense is great, assists are great, always, always, always it comes down to points. Always. So, it doesn't matter, by the way, how, if the end of the game, if you don't have more points than the other team, how good of a game you played, you lose. All right? So, it's all about points. Now, I want to compare points in the game of basketball to souls. Okay, so points from now, from this next portion of the message, is souls. Very important. And to God, it is all about souls. Think about from there. For God, it's all about souls. He sent his son because he wanted souls in his kingdom. The cross was because God wanted souls. The resurrect- Everything that God did in his plan for man was the whole, the whole purpose was that he would have those who would worship him and praise him of their own free will. It's all about souls. It's important, and this will, you know, this will sound fairly uh, simple, but I really do believe it's not simple. You see, as a believer, I need to study the Word of God. I need to read the Word of God. I need to experience God in my life. But here's the important thing. What, what is the lens I'm looking through? And see, the lens that we want to be looking through is that everything in the Bible is all about souls expanding the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. So when we read that, when we read the word, we need to read the word with that lens because sometimes we read the word through the lens of us. We put ourselves at the center of Christianity and that's not right. We are a part of the team, but the primary focus that God has is that his kingdom would be expanded. Now, does God love blessing his children? Of course he does, all right? But his ultimate goal is to use you and I in a team to get more points than the other team. You see, in this life on earth, we will go through tough times. Some people go through really tough times. And I deal with that reasonably frequently because of the counseling that I do. And and sometimes we wonder, God, where are you? So it's important that we have an answer to that, right? It's important. See, when we understand God's heart for souls, we then realize this is the basis for everything he does. And most times, assuming we are not living in you know, unconfessed sin, it's how he uses those hard times to expand his kingdom. 
See, when we understand God's heart for souls, when we realize this is the basis for everything he does, we start to understand various scriptures better and what they actually mean. Many times we see these same scriptures as being all about us and not necessarily centered around God's priority. And when we lose sight of that, we set ourselves up for a number of different emotions at times that don't line up with where God would have us to be. So we're going to look at some scriptures today. And let me start off by making sure there's no confusion here. God does love blessing his children. He loves blessing you. There are scriptures we can claim for those blessings. There's no question about it. But I will tell you that whenever you read a scripture, you should first always read it in the context of the lens God has us to read it through, and that is soul. So let's take a look at a couple. Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. See, if you make that about you or about us, it just isn't the case. I'm sorry. All things don't work out together for good for you. You know, if you don't believe that, I'll be glad to introduce you to some people and tell you some situations that for them personally, it didn't work out for good. Sometimes things turn out anything but good, And if we read that scripture wrong, okay, what does it say? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Well, if they don't work together for good, does that mean what? I don't love God enough? No, okay? Because there's another part of that scripture. For those called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? Souls. Tom Murphy, good friend of mine, good friend of many of you here, was by definition in everybody's mind, a godly man. And Tom contracted cancer. And Tom had hands laid on him, oil anointed him, prayed over him for healing, everything else. I'm not here to comment on anything to do with anything but this. During those months that Tom lived prior to his death, he had more influence on people spiritually than probably he ever did in all the time before. People wanted to know how he could be going through what he was going and maintain the attitude he maintained. And people came to know the Lord because of that. People came to believe the power of God because of that. So what I'm saying here is, when you read that scripture, it's fine to claim that when you're in the midst of something and say, God, I know you have good to come out of this. That's scripturally sound. But here's what I want you to say. I want this to be used to expand your kingdom and for souls to be brought into the kingdom. That's the prayer. Because otherwise, you'll look at always having a hardship or something difficult in your life as never being something God will use. It's always something you feel God needs to turn around. And that's not always the case. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul had a real heart for the Gentiles, but he also had a heart for the Jews. Romans 9, 2, and 3 says this, My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. This is unbelievable. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Paul had had literally an encounter with God where he talked to him. Paul had became the evangelist of most of the known world, and also wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. You're talking about love. (laughs) 
God, take me and curse me, but save my brothers and sisters. You see, the bottom line is, you can't do all things. You can't do all things. Because God doesn't want you to do all things. He doesn't have you to do all things. And sometimes when we go with that scripture, and we want to do something, and we say, well, I know I can do that because I can do all things through Christ. That's a, that's a mis. That's a misguided version, uh, interpretation of that scripture. That scripture is, is meant to be applied to a life that Paul lived where everything about him was to expand God's kingdom. And he could do everything and anything he needed to do in that area because he trusted God, that he was lining up with God's primary purpose, and he knew that God would allow him to do those things. Last but not least, Matthew 18, 19. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Now, seriously, do you believe that, okay, I'll walk up to Dave and say, Dave, we're going to agree on this. Uh, We're going to agree that that Corvette that I love and want, I want to agree that God has that to bless me. And I'm going to go home and wait. And when I get up tomorrow morning, what's going to be in my driveway? Nothing. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. When it comes to healing of a loved one, when it comes to, to believing God for prosperity, for something that then allows you to give, there are many things that God will come along when two of you agree. But understand something. That scripture is motivated out of this passion God has for souls. You know, when Barbara and I pray and agree together that God has a way to open the doors of our neighborhood, you know, Greg brought that software up last week. But when we do that, I know God hears that prayer. And I have no doubt that God will answer that prayer. Why? Because God wants souls and we do too. That previous scripture, by the way, by Paul came after, or excuse me, that scripture comes after Christ is talking about leaving the 99 and going after the one. It's all about souls. None of that is meant to take away from the power we have of trusting God for things we want in our lives. But we must understand the motivation to all of Scripture. It's all motivated to the point where souls expand God's kingdom. Till the day Jesus comes... Our focus, my focus, your focus, needs to be on souls. Now, here's the thing about souls. I'm not saying that every one of you has to become an evangelist and go out through your neighborhood knocking on doors and telling people about Jesus. If that's what God puts on your heart, go for it. I don't know what role you play on the team. Some people sit the bench in case they're needed. Some people go in to relieve a better player for a while. Some people just do a lot of assists. They don't ever score a basket, but they do a lot to help people that do. See, the body of Christ is so diverse, and it's not about you going out and literally leading people to Christ. That's really good, by the way, and we should all strive for that. But just take your role. Maybe you're a servant. Maybe you're an encourager, an exhorter. But when you read God's word, when you get up in the morning, say, God, I want to line up today with your primary focus, souls. Use me today, Father, to do something 
to help souls come into your kingdom. That's a prayer that God always hears and will always answer. Basketball is all about points. God's God's game of life is all about souls. It's a team effort. It's always a team effort. Here's probably the end. The good news is, you know, sometimes I tape the Celtics games, and when I don't have time to watch them, I just go to the end and find out who won. So I went to the end of this game, Satan's team and God's team, and guess what? We win. It's on a heavenly DVR somewhere. (laughs) We know that. The, The urgency of this message to you and to me is line up with God's heart. Start to pray God's heart. Start to read scripture with God's heart in mind. It makes a world of difference. Luke 12, 31, seek, ye, seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. The kingdom of God is only souls. That's who the kingdom of God is. It's us and all the men and women that God still has to come. One of Jesus' last commands is found here in Luke 10. These were his instructions to them when he was sending them out. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. I want to take two words out of that scripture. Now go. See, I think every one of us, every day of our lives, have a now go. I don't know where Rock and Chris are supposed to go. But I believe this, that if you ask God where to go, to help him expand his kingdom, he's going to tell you. And I know you've gone those places as small group leaders, as counselors. I could go around this whole audience, auditorium, members, and and say, now go. And I know where some of you go. But what's really important is that we go where God is going. We follow where God goes, and he goes for souls. So, Father, I thank you today. I thank you that, Lord, you have put a call in our heart to go for souls. Whether we have a direct, bring them right to you, or whether we're a part of the team, we all share in the victory, Lord. Every team, every team, no matter how much people play or how particularly influential they were in the win, we all get to celebrate it together because we're on the winning team. And I'd also like to just take a moment. If you're out there and you're a soul and you haven't come into the kingdom yet, you're in a good place. You're in a good place out there. We would love. See, do you hear what I just taught about? God's heart is you. That's what he wants every one of us. We're thinking about you. So today, if you're not a member of the right team, everybody's on a team, by the way. We get to choose which team. If you want to choose God's team because we win in the end, would you come up? I'd love to pray with you afterwards. I have a book we can give you if you're out there. Ed at shilohcommunity.church. We'll send a book to you. We'd love to know that. So, Father, if there's someone here, if there's someone's here, oh, Father, I pray they join your team today. Lord, that would be what really would, would, would make your heart glad. So, Lord, thank you for, for protecting us 
from those defensive moves of the enemy and help us. Help us to score as many points as we possibly can before you come again. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, come down. We'd love to pray with you for anything. If this is a day you want to give your life to Christ and join the team, come down. Love to pray with you. God bless you all. Have a wonderful Sunday.